So that's what I did in this nighttime place that I found open to the general public. I sat there in this love-hate relationship, in this supposedly holy experience of my religious background. I sat and I sat and I sat and I hoped God would be real. Today's Soul Food episode is from a story told on The Faith Feed, a network that celebrates the life, faith and action in the world of those in their mid-twenties, thirties and forties. Here comes a Soul Food story from The Faith Feed. So there I am, at 10 years of age, looking across the classroom at her, my first crush. I mentally run through my checklist and tick all the criteria. And I know for sure this is the girl I'm going to marry. Yep, same love of sport. Yep, same interests. Yep, Catholic. So my mum and dad are going to be happy. As As a kid, I shifted around between wanting to be a doctor, a chef, and a teacher, but I remember my top shelf goal, my little utopia, was to one day be that copybook husband and father. So much so that even at age 10, that kid with his first crush had clearly in his mind what his wedding day would look like. Fast forward a few short years and a sudden increase in teenage testosterone. Yes, I loved my parents, and yes, they were very Catholic, very traditional, and very Indian so dating was not an option in high school. (laughs) Nonetheless, I knew my utopia in my mind and that I'd do anything to better my chances. My traditional faith upbringing said that you could pray for your needs, so you can guess how I interpreted that. I was into my adult years in 2010 when the most amazing woman came into my life and we started dating. Surely a concrete answer to those long-voiced prayers. We shared so many interests, held so many similar values, spent many memorable moments together, and were companions for each other, with encouragement as we plugged away at our respective uni degrees. This was my big guy version of the checklist, but this time it was more than a fantasy. It was real, and it was two-way. We both actually came from the same traditional, cultural, and religious backgrounds that I previously mentioned. But it was in this new relationship that I was blown away, seeing how I grew to feel and own some of that more cultural stuff for my own well-being, for my own self, in my own way. One of the ways this happened was when we joined one of the groups at uni. In a nutshell, this group was a friendship group that reflected on the scriptures and the Bible as inspiration for encouraging people's vision of their goals and priorities. I'm sure a lot of you know the difference that happens between looking at a group from the outside versus being a part of one on the inside. For us, coming from the background that we came from, it seemed a natural option to dip our toes into the water of that group. And it turned out to be very meaningful for us. Good things, goals and challenges of life were shared with excellent people in a way that prompted us to put a lot of energy between work and study into helping the concept of that group grow. 
And as one step led to the next, we actually decided to, to trust the growth that we saw in the group and to then take another step. But not only because of the growth in numbers, it was because, it was because of the sense this thing had of connecting real life with the key elements of the faith, faith life that we'd been raised to. And so, and sometimes I've got to pinch myself, but we decided to take this group and take it back home to our family, to, to my bigger network of cousins, 21st century Aussie Indians. And it became a creative way of sharing our faith over morning tea. My partner and I increasingly loved this meaningful connection with others and had a good sense of united purpose in doing it. As we did it, the Jesus of the Gospels became more alive to us. His life was one that started in people's real stories and the sense of power he gave us was most often through connecting with the yearnings of their life and allowing them to know that they were really gold. It was from these real life stories of people's lives, from understanding and accepting them and from enthusing them in their capacity that he spoke of a radical kingdom that was now and forever. In our own little way, we felt that we were glimpsing a bit into that and believing in a central vision worth nurturing in our maturing lives. So now we were both into our careers and the path was in order. We had plans for where we'd lived, so that was on track. The faith we'd been given from our religious and cultural backgrounds had found, had found some grounded 21st century expression and the wedding date was set. In the months leading up to the marriage, life was hectic with a combination of wedding plans, solid work schedules, plus the high school tutoring I do. Insert shameless plug. It, but it seemed like a good idea to find somewhere that could be a regular stop off place for a bit of peace and quiet during my work, weekday work lunches. And I found that at St. Pat's in Parramatta, quite near my work which has its doors open to the public and a really peaceful space. I could just sit there and be for there for a while and then go back to my day with a sense of peace. Quite by chance, one lunchtime there early in 2016, I met two guys who were doing some planning, who were planning to use that space for an upcoming event. I didn't know them, but we said hello. We had a friendly chat and I actually went along and checked out their event. Long story short, they ended up asking me to a series of meals to discuss, uh, so a series of meals they were putting on at the time to consult people about a potential initiative for 25 to 39 year olds, which we now know as the Faith Feed. And you can thank me for what's now going to unfold as a sensitive new age guy sharing his story, that I'm actually here now as one of the speakers. I promise you that they didn't twist my arm to do this talk, and it's going to make sense very shortly. Coincidentally, around March last year as well, some old uni friends who I'd lost contact with because of our different lifestyles and jobs contacted me to form a new Oztag team. That would also soon prove more than I thought at the time. Long story short, some good energies were falling into place. And if you want to use the language that some people do of being in sync with God's plan, then the combination of things in my life was probably the nearest I'd ever felt to that. 
And then came the most difficult moment of my life to date. Abruptly, and yet painfully slowly, like a stubborn band-aid, after a partnership of six years, my fiance and I came to the realization that we stood at different vantage points with how we saw life. Our goals and our desire to get married, all of which we both experienced with the wedding day just three months away. It's not, my, it's not my purpose to focus on the details of how and why the decision was reached, but in short, it was the right decision. My fiance and I were both devastated and the wedding day did not go ahead. From here on, I'll speak only of my own feelings with the fullest of respect for hers. For me, my world came crashing down more than I knew I could feel. The situation was out of my control. And this supposed in sync with the God plan went from 100 to zero. Respect and care had always been our way. And we both remained determined that this was not going to change. So there were no anger, no harsh words. Maybe it would have been easier if I could somehow feel rage. But sometimes, I guess the most subtle feelings are the most penetrating ones. Just a gaping hole in the bottomless, empty well within me. A descent into the dark. There was nothing to hold on to, nothing to aim for, nothing to hope for. And it was this God, this God I'd been in sync with, the one who'd answered all my prayers years earlier, the one who I could pray to from childhood. Someone had to be at fault. And it was fairly and squarely this God. Something in the background, though, kept God in my life. But at best, this relationship was now love-hate. I began a process that felt like it lasted an eternity. I began questioning my self-worth, my appearance, my studies, my career, and ultimately my faith. I spent days crying and feeling that the God I believed in and trusted so faithfully had led me down this path of six years, built my hopes up, and then snatched it away from me at the last hour. Robert Burns, in one of his poems entitled To a Mouse, expresses this futility. In a translation uh, of his old lyrical Scottish dialect, he says, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. My reflection on his poem gave me a momentary glimpse into a harsh comfort. A harsh comfort that others before me understood how futile plans can be. The comfort didn't last, and each time I would soon return to my real life personal darkness. My love-hate relationship with God coupled with my religious background, had me searching for wisdom amongst the archetypal stories I'd heard growing up. Like the story of Abraham, the great ancient faith leader whose life became a heritage for generations to come. Abraham had been visited by God, and after so much yearning, he and his wife Sarah were finally blessed with a child in his old age. With Abraham only soon left to think that he was being told to sacrifice the child. I could feel Abraham's confusion and resignation in my life, 
and could only think that this must be what God is like. Well, then there was the story of Jacob, who was in such an irreconcilable place with his brother named Esau. He's on his way to try and control the outcome on his own terms, as we all do. But before the confrontation with his brother, he finds himself wrestling with, a, with someone who is a stranger to him and who we only later find out in the story is actually God. I was wrestling too in my real life story and I couldn't be reconciled with my own purpose or my future. But I wasn't wrestling with a stranger. I already sensed that my fighting partner was God. What Jacob came to soon experience was remarkably an unexpected outcome. It's a great story that when he couldn't win the wrestle or get control of the person that he was wrestling, Jacob then tries another angle. He insists that he will not let go until he gets the blessing of the one that he is wrestling. And little did he know that it would make all the difference for him. As I said, I sensed I knew who I was fighting, but as for a blessing, the Jacob story was certainly not mine yet. In the process, and in this brief version, I became pretty convinced I was of no value. And I, became, and I began to see how people actually entertained the thoughts of giving up on the gift of life. A little down the track now, my empathy for such things in other people's lives has come a long way. I had believed in God's plan for me, but now my faith was in the balance. And the feeling was one of questioning, how can God do this to me? A talk like this, obviously, though, can only have select bits. And I've tried to include those that can at least, in summary, help to say where I'm at, what I've learnt, and what I think will assure the path ahead. In a nutshell, it's about what any of us might come to more strongly recognise as the essential pillars of life. You see, I don't know why I met those guys at St. Pat's that lunchtime not knowing that a few months later I was going to need safe human connection to seriously share darkness and despair and floods of tears in my life that like never before. Not only did that chance meeting leading me, led me to find an avenue to say what I couldn't say to my parents and to others, it became an unexpected, sorry, became a pillar of unexpected friendship and of chewing over this love-hate of faith without any boundaries. I've become pretty convinced that whatever's going on for you, it is not an option to not share. I think it's become a non-negotiable pillar in my life. I don't know why my old uni friends started the Oztag team in time for my most intense need for hormone therapy. I mean, of course, the need for serious exercise. What I thought was going to be just a game put me in the company for a reg regular release of endorphins on a weekly basis. That gave me the natural drug rush, at least, to survive in that critical moment of my life. They weren't and still aren't people of faith, but I see the importance of human connection and a sense of worth that they gave me as an expression of something innately spiritual. More than ever before, 
what had been my connection with sport and exercise was now another non-negotiable pillar in my life. I don't know why I decided that the need for a calm lunchtime place when everything was in sync with God's big plan. But I think that was the prompt that I needed to also find a, a calm nighttime sacred place when my life was also in turmoil. And especially when it was hard to sleep. From my earliest life, I'd been raised in a Catholic religious practice of the Mass and a celebration of the Eucharist. So if, my turmoil, so if in my turmoil, God was under question, then this Eucharist was also under question. Some of you who may have other spiritual backgrounds or life practices that sustain you may not be overly familiar with the practice that some people have of sitting quietly before the Eucharist. No, not in Mass when other people are there, but more alone. So that's what I did in this nighttime place that I found open to the general public. I sat there in this love-hate relationship, in this supposedly holy experience of my religious background. I sat and I sat and I sat and I hoped God would be real. It was in this place, after lots of visits of just sitting and sitting, that I read the words of Jesus being crucified. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And people have tried all sorts of pious, lovely interpretations of what he really meant. Well, maybe it was because of what I was feeling, but I heard a Jesus who damn well meant what he said, who in his humanity was frightened, who was traumatized and who was in pain and darkness, and was still mustering up the courage to take that one big final step in faith the step that would enable him to break through to the unthinkable of actually defeating death. And so, and so began my new bonding with Jesus, with the God who maybe after all did not do this to me, who didn't give me this turmoil, but who still knew my darkness and who meant those words, I am with you, I can and will give you my spirit. If that's the case, then this is also another pillar. And whilst I certainly don't claim all the bits of this new plan, if a God of solidarity does indeed get my stuff and he gets all of it, then that pillar needs a non-negotiable status in my unfolding 21st century context whilst I continue to look for my plan and be in sync with the big picture. So let me come to the end of what's an unended sharing by saying that these few pillars and one or two others are why I'm here tonight. Not because the pillars are final and gleaming, obviously not because I've come to my plan, and not because I was asked to speak, but because I said I would if there was a spot. And I said I would because I really wanted to share my unfolding learning. The words of which I knew in my head when my life was in sync, but words which have now come from life which are tested in tears. The learning is as simple and as complex as saying that some unexpected pillars of life got me from one step to the next, to the next, to the next, and then to now, when I thought it was absolutely impossible to continue with life, when the emptiness was too much. 
So here's to the pillars of our lives. From the endorphins of sport, to friendship, to the sacred places of calm and peace. Pillars in which the power of God's spirit doesn't keep us from our experiences of the cross, but cries out with us and walks with us to be able to stand here and hear the words again. I am with you always, yes, until the end of time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Food. Don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify or your preferred listening platform. This podcast is produced by the Mission Enhancement Team in the Diocese of Parramatta. We release a new episode each week and we'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment or reach out via our contacts in the show notes. Looking forward to sharing another story with you next time on the Soul Food Podcast.